Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Melbourne AWS User Group Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2. Today, we'll not be talking about news, or rather, we will be talking about news, but it's a different kind of news, because we'll be focusing on our new shiny Melbourne region. And to do so, I'm joined by Matt Mariel. Super excited. <laughs> And Jason Wood. Hey, hello everyone. And of course, we're also joined by Dawn. Hi, good to be here again. Um, back from running around the US for probably altogether too long. Well, it's good to have you back here just in time for this super special episode. So, Shannon, your region, we've been waiting for it for a bit over two years, I think. I forgot to look up exactly when it was announced. Reinvent 2020. So, slightly over two years. And it was promised in the second half of last year. Yeah, barely a month off. Reasonably close. Built up that Christmas excitement and then just left us hanging. Yeah. But now it's here. Pop the, pop, pop the champagne. Everybody's problems are solved. Uh, wish you all a good night. Talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. If you, you know, but at least if you've got your basic uh, interests, then um, hey, you know, we've, we, we've got your basics covered. So I think I speak for all of us when I just, at the outset, I want to make it clear that we're really happy that this region is here, mm -hmm. that we're excited about it, and that everything we're going to say from this point on forward is said with utmost of love and just that we wish we could fast forward the region by about a year to make it useful. We're customers. We deserve the right to want more. <laughs> we deserve the right. Yeah, yes, yes. Happy, happy it's here. It's pretty much what we expected, but it's not what we wanted. <laughs> We want all the shinies, not just you know the the important shinies. Yeah, and the old shinies, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there's there there are some interesting things though, as Tony pointed out in uh, other places. The um, you know, the the standard free tier now changed to uh, your T three. Yep. And so there's some there there was some you know logical but you know, surprising things that we weren't expecting there. So, you know, that was an interesting. Yeah. So just as a recap, we're recording this on Wednesday, the 1st of February. So hopefully everything we say will be completely outdated by the time you're actually listening to this. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be nice. But yes, you know, if, if you're going back and having a, having a look at, you know, what did we say last year, then yeah, hopefully everything's there. But uh, hopefully people will listen to this sooner than, than in a year's time. I hope so too. Otherwise, I will have failed badly with the editing. <laughs> uh, we have faith in you, Arjen. But yeah, generally speaking, let's have a look for a moment on what we have in our new shiny region. So there are a total of 48 services that are in one form or another available. So just because it says a service is available, be clear, that does not mean that everything from that service is available. Obviously, big point there is easy to. You won't get every single instance type in your new region. You won't get a lot of instance types in your new shiny region. <laughs> yeah, and 
you know, maybe not in every AZ as well, which was something that we, we'd saw in Sydney for quite some time. You know, so that's something else to to be aware of. Um, you know, I know a few times we had, you know, some customers in, in Sydney that then wanted to uh, try a, uh, a, a DR sort of in a different AZ, but that was, you know, the, the instance type was in two AZs, but not the third one. Uh, which just happened to be the one that they wanted to uh, to to test in. So, yeah. So there are you know, some things that you'll need to to be aware of and check out when even you know when instance types are there. Um, yeah, it's happened before. It could very well happen again with Melbourne. Um, so you know, yeah, just uh, be aware. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As Matt earlier alluded to the really isn't a lot of instance types available right now. So on the AMD64 side, so the original pre-Graviton type instances, we have more choices, but that's all last generation still. So it's the R5s, C5s, and M5s, none of the 6s there, and as well the T3s and i3 instances. And those are the only ones that are available at the moment, which I carefully checked by clicking in the console and seeing every other option grayed out or not. So obviously new instance types will show up over time. Older instance types just won't appear. And that's why something like the T3 is now, the T3 micro is now our free tier instance type, which is nice and something they should do in every other region as well. But the disappointing thing, I guess, for, from sort of where I'm sitting, we've been unfortunate, oh, and by we I mean uh, Australians, um, have been unfortunate in that for years now uh, we've only had a single region and this was kind of the one shoot to go yay multi-region DR multi-region failover where you've got data sovereignty or latency concerns can actually be a real thing and at least as it stands today probably not as drop-in replace as we were probably hoping. It's pretty clear that regardless of whether or not you use EC2, RDS, any of those sorts of core services, you're either going to need to have been very lucky in the instances you picked in Sydney, or you're going to have to do an apples and oranges to get it to, to work, which, yeah... Are you better to do apples and oranges now, or are you better to wait and see how long it takes them to iterate on a new region, because if you look at the AWS News RSS feed, every other post is about AWS releasing services in a region somewhere. Time will tell how quickly they add to Melbourne. My gut feel is it probably won't start straight away. My guess is they probably want to bed down what they've got first before you know, expanding too rapidly. But hey, I've been wrong numerous times before, and I'm sure I'll be wrong again. Maybe this is one of them, maybe it's not. Yeah, but uh, I mean, at least with that, DR law. If your main concern is your data, then you know at least the basics. You know, S3 buckets, your you know EBS volumes. If you could get those sides of things across, no EFS. I did not mention EFS. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the one. That's the one that caught me out. Was yes. Uh no. Yeah, I I I'd not quite looked that up in the available services just yet. So I was like, yes, I know, I, I know S3 will be there. I know the EBS is there, and, and then just say too that along with that, you know, one of the services that 
I was a little bit disappointed with that didn't launch was AWS Backup, you know, which I think you know, Backup is a pretty cool service if you want to run, um, you know, EC2 instances. You know, I mean, that said, you've still got your EBS snapshots and it looks like Data Lifecycle Manager is there. So you can, Lifecycle Manager is not terrible. So at least you'll, you can do something there to protect any instances you've got. It's it's nowhere near as featured as AWS Backup or, you know, some of the third-party ones, but it's serviceable. But yeah, you know, I would have liked to have seen AWS Backup in. Um, but uh, yeah. So, but yeah, with some services missing. Actually, one of the big ones I also find that's missing is something simple like Transit Gateway. Um, if you need, if you create or you're going to use a new region it is usually considered a nice thing to be able to connect to it from the old one yeah yeah definitely that's that's sort of a big one that's um that's that's missing because you you want to try and keep your networking consistent and your transit gateway um yeah that's that's a, a big out but yeah let's, with everything let's fingers crossed and hope that's you know hope that one's that's one that will come sooner rather than later um, so yeah, and just to go back a little bit on the um, the EC2 instances, so just having a look at the uh, at the pricing page, which has the the number of instances. So Sydney currently has 434 available instances, and Melbourne has I think it was like 118. Let me just flip back to it. Yeah, 118 instance types. So yeah, there's about a quarter of available instances there. That's actually better than I thought when I just did a visual search in the console. Yeah, and it might be interesting to see too whether you know they get some of the older instances as well. So you know, they just say the T2s aren't there, and they're starting at T3s. So where you know Sydney has you know some of your old instances, your R4s and and the like, and like that that you know maybe they'll never come to to melbourne and um, so you know while it's it, it's sort of a, a quarter of what sydney has you know it may be that we'll we'll get close but not to the same amount because they'll you know sort of drop all those obsolete instances or the the, the types that they want people to move off. My guess from playing around with some of the regions which have been introduced before Melbourne is some of those instance types we will never see. Because mm. um, I've done some things with multi-region before and it is quite interesting to go through and actually see in every region, um, particularly those free tier instances in every region are very subtly different depending on exactly what got deployed when so certainly in some of the newer regions um the t2s are not there and have not come have never come for regions which have been around for quite some time the other thing that i think will be really interesting there is if people do decide to take that multi-region path how how many companies are still running on these obsolete instance types and are now going to decide that they have to re-architect everything just in order to use multi-region? Banks. <coughs> yep, probably. But yeah, I suspect you've got a good point there, Don. There's going to be a lot of those yeah. cases because yeah, there were some big shifts in architecture 
at some point and that required a whole bunch of updates but then yeah it's probably a good thing anyway if people start upgrading the instances because (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i mean having also recently looked at recently as in earlier today looked at a comparison chart of different types of ec2 instances for the purposes of deploying some new for the purposes of basically deploying an entirely new setup for something the price differences when using the newer generation instances are incredibly noticeable Mm. like looking at um i was looking at both the memory optimized instances and the compute optimized instances and if you look at basically the M6s and C6s, the M5s and C5s are not even competitive and anything older than M5, there's just absolutely no point whatsoever. So it will be really interesting to see. And I'm suspecting, um, Matt said banks, I'm suspecting it's actually going to be anyone who has a requirement for low latency and anyone who has a requirement for that um, multi-region backup and a lot of the companies that fall into the latter group will already will already be doing this but they'll potentially be doing something like that multi-cloud so you you solve that yourself or you do the thing that you do the thing that gives a sort of job security and you hire a consultant to solve it those sorts of scenarios you potentially massively cut your complexity by moving everything to melbourne and you might get the instance upgrade you know, you might kind of have to, to roll boot, in the instance boot. type yeah. upgrade, yeah, into the bargain, right? So massively, massively reduce your complexity and potentially actually reduce operating costs because the two operating costs that you then lose if you're currently operating multi-cloud are the operating cost of, okay, we're using really old instances, if you are, but also the operating cost of, hey, wait a minute, we suddenly don't have these massive data egress costs, and data ingress costs to get everything from one cloud to another. Yep. I think there will still be some requirements for the multi-cloud, but I'm all in favor of just using that as a data backup source or target. Um, but yeah, with the new instance types though, what I was really surprised by how little Graviton instances there are in the new region. So for easy to there's a couple options. M6s, originally only the ones with the native SSD the big SSDs included, but now also just regular M6Gs. And that's the only Graviton source I saw. You can't use them in RDS, you can't use them in Lambda, can't use them anywhere really. And considering how much I have been feeling that AWS is pushing us to use them, that really surprised me. Yeah, it it almost feels like and look we've seen this when they um, release new services it's it's the mvp um almost almost thinking of it as a quasi canary um kind of release here we will give the people the basics because let's face it you know a lot of the core services you know your lambdas your dynamo db rds ec2 s3 like there is enough there to build most common bits and pieces um, the one big killer on the, the compute side is obviously a lack of Kubernetes. Personally, don't care. I think my personal opinion on Kubernetes is well documented at this point. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, <laughs> Why? But, but it's, it's like, let, let's give the people enough to be able to do things. It may not be 100% of what they want, but it will be enough for, uh, for AWS to 
bed down the services to validate the use the usage validate capacity planning and then you know start directing the where do we point the fire hose um, as far as what we build and release next um, and that was only kind of sort of a pun um, of a reference to a lack of um, kinesis but yeah yeah but interesting so that as well you know bedding down and pointing things out you know I think one good thing to to for Bill to remember is if it's missing a service that you really want you know talk to your AWS reps let them know because you know the more things that people ask for you know as the heat map goes up they're more likely to roll those services out that the you know most people are asking for so you know don't be, don't who, who wants to take bets on how many PFRs are going to be raised <laughs> in the next 30 days? <laughs> yeah, I would not want to be an AWS SA dealing, an SA or a TAM dealing with any of the customers who are trying to move things into Melbourne right now, because I imagine that the phones are probably ringing off the proverbial hook. Pretty much. Yeah, because we all know that what everybody wants, and so please make sure you file your request for work docs um everybody (coughs) (laughs) well there's actually a funny little quirk there because if you run a um and this is this is something that i've seen people do when they send out the links if you run your aws accounts off aws sso and you use a custom url you get that prefix.awsapps.com slash start, which will take you to your SSO sign-in portal. But if you have just prefix.awsapps.com, that takes you to the WorkDocs portal. So I'm actually mildly curious if you went in, it whether it's going to be one of those things. I don't even I don't even know if SSO in Melbourne is active yet. As I said on the panel (laughs) yeah i I was figuring probably not as i said on the panel i have all of my stuff set up in error because it's a region which things come to fairly quickly but i'm curious what will happen if sso gets released before workdocs because that url.awsapps.com actually goes if you omit the start at the end it actually goes to the workdocs portal so i've seen multiple times people send out the short url I wonder what would happen. Like that that's going to end up being a breaking bug for someone at some point. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I suspect it will come around the same time so that they can work around mm-hmm. that issue. Because I so so hate, hate, hate that you need to slash start. I have spent so many so much time telling people to put the slash start behind it when they couldn't log in. Same. It's just one of those weird quirks of how the UIs are set up. Yeah, it's just like, just just bookmark the URL and click your bookmark. Don't type it in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's not that you can't type it in. You just have to know what it is that you're putting into the console, right? Yeah. If you know what it is that you're putting in, you end up being fine. But there are a lot of people who don't, and that's where you then run into issues. Yeah. Like everyone, I'm sure everyone who works with AWS SSO, I refuse to call it IAM identity. (laughs) It's just on principle alone. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, everyone who works with AWS SSO has been caught by that at least once, right? Yeah, yes. Yes, the service formerly known as... It is, yeah. I still don't understand why they changed change the name of that. It's the most baffling thing. Mm. I actually don't mind the identity center part of it. It's just that they had to put IAM in front of it. That's a bit of a shame. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Maybe it was someone's April Fool's joke that just went too far. <laughs> Again, I repeat, ATM machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or your PIN number. Yeah. Yes. Funny yeah. how all of those examples come back to banks, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> uh, yes. But, um, yeah, but it is, you know, for, for as, as much as we're hanging on things, you know, as you said at the start, I, you know, we are all super glad that it's here. Um, you know, it now, you know, Definitely now gives us options for um, you know the in region you know, region this time meaning in country <laughs> uh, countries type but yeah it gives us that in country sort of dr you know extra region for those you know services that that need to have um, data residency you know I mean you know, um, availability zones are, are pretty safe but you know if you're really risk adverse um, you know having that separation between sydney and melbourne for your for your uh, for your data that's that's a good thing R- risk averse you've got client you've got uh, you know compliance requirement um this is this is huge um for a, a large number of industries um and as as dawn was sort of saying before look those those who have needed multi region multi you know data center multi location um previously have done it through the use of multi-cloud or a hybrid on-prem solution or something. And this gives you the option to, you know, centralize, to standardize, missing instances notwithstanding, uh, missing services notwithstanding. So, like, it, it, this, is, this is fantastic. Like, this is going to keep a lot of people very, very busy for um, at least 2023. <laughs> This is going to keep a lot of consultants very, very employed for at least 2000. <laughs> well, yeah. that too. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Considering we're all consultants in on this, like on this podcast, it's like we are all yeah. looking at yeah. very busy years. <laughs> yeah. the, I actually want to pick up on the data center uh, comment that you just made there, because that's quite interesting in that. We sort of look at this as a lot of people will have done this. A lot of people who have that compliance requirement will have done this basically multi-cloud. But the other thing that we might see here is this might actually lead to quite a lot of places decommissioning their data centers, which they've been using for backup purposes. Mm. And again, obviously, you know, that's going to keep consultants very employed for at least at least 12 months so that's nice but it's also going to be quite interesting to see then how that changes things like data center capacity uh, around the Melbourne region and in the Melbourne IT community. Because just thinking about it and thinking about sort of the history of some of the big players that I know are still using some sort of data center in Melbourne, I suspect a lot of those big players, now that they potentially can 
are going to be in a very big rush to obsolete. They're going to be in a very big rush, basically, to start turning things off. Well, let's like let let let's let's be frank here. Like colo pricing is horrendously expensive in Australia. Oh yeah, especially in Melbourne and in Sydney. Yes, and it's um, not just that. You then also have to take into account all of the costs for maintaining that data center all of the costs for maintaining your configuration around it your setup and network the, infrastructure staffing yeah, absolutely like, mm. and you've got to have that my understanding from talking to people who've worked in the on the data center side of things in the past is the cost of having people come in and maintain your data centers is hideously expensive here in Australia in general, just because we don't have that many people who can do it. Do it you know, yeah, yeah. Mm. a lot of a lot of people who have the ability to do that have gone where the money takes them, right? Because it's a it's a niche skill set. It's a niche skill set which is incredibly valued by places that have historically needed to maintain some sort of data center, yeah. some sort of data center for whatever reason. And a lot of the people who are good with that sort of thing have jumped to cloud providers and they've jumped to other <laughs> I countries. I was going to say, I cannot, I cannot physically remember the last time I stepped inside a data center. I used to live in them mm-hmm. and it's yep. probably... It, it, uh, it would be safe to say I have probably not stepped inside a data center since probably six months after AWS launched in Sydney. Yeah, I have the unique distinction, I think. I'm not sure if it's actually unique to people on this call because I don't know how much you've been in data centers, I am, but I have the distinction of never having set foot in a data center at all because I'm in that age bracket and in that bracket of people who came into the IT industry cloud first. Lucky you. You make me feel all done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could, you know, for those that are listening, you know, we, we've got video turned on here, but, you know, you can see see the grey in, in Matt's beard and, and especially in mine. Um <laughs> You know, I used to live in data centers. Uh, you know, my 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 family is sort of like, you know, aren't you cold? In things, I was like, I used to live in data centers and walk around in shorts and t-shirts because um, I was just so used to walking outside onto Collins Street in the middle of summer in a woolen jacket and going, why am I sweating all the? Oh, right, it's forty degrees. It's forty degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and then, yeah. then you're the weird guy. Have. Yeah. <laughs> to be frank, you would have always been the weird guy, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we work. In, we work in the IT industry. That goes without saying. That's saying. We are the yeah. weird. We are the weird people. Yeah, but you know, you, you're definitely right. You know, you know, a lot of us have worked in in the data centers and and stuff. You know, there's there, there's not as many people around now that do that do it well you know and a lot of us have all jumped jumped to cloud yeah because it, it became the self-fulfilling prophecy where everyone worked out that cloud mm. was where the industry was headed and as people got out of the data center racket it suddenly became apparent that there, there's just not enough people who can do it and and do it well anymore yeah and if you're doing that type of thing um you know, you then got the hyperscalers that, you know, obviously, you know, on our side of the fence, we code it all up and that, but there's also that side that definitely needs to maintain 
all of the infra that that we're happily uh, coding up for. And, and I bet those places are a lot more interesting to work for anyone that's you know still wants to touch metal than you know your uh, even your enterprises. As you know, the the resident the resident person who tends to point out accessibility things is data center work is actually really hard work. You have to be like I. Not only have I never set foot in one, I probably couldn't physically do it because you have to be quite fit. Um, you have to be quite physically well to just to be able to meet the demands of, okay, I have to run around, you know, I have to run around data centers, pull cables. I have to be able to stretch. I have to be able to bend. So it's particularly if you're working on that, the hardware side, it is really hard work. And racking new PSs. Yeah. My God, those things yeah. are heavy. Um, There's a reason they're at the bottom of the rack. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and maintaining a local server farm is completely different to doing anything in a data center at that scale and it's you know it's not easy work there aren't that many people who can do it and it will be interesting to see because i do suspect that a lot of companies that have had that requirement are now going to be rushing to decommission it as quickly as they can so it'll be really interesting to see how that works out does it noticeably change the demand for data centers Mm. in australia yeah it's 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 a really interesting line of thought there for for that because i mean you know, not only are you getting out, but, you know, you've got different infrastructure to keep management of and, you know, keep your, your CMDBs and your documentation for how do we how do we rack this physical stuff? How do we config all this physical stuff different to our cloud environments? Whereas now, you know, ideally with your DR, it's just, you know, create another pipeline to this location and bang away you go. Or, you know, or even... deploy it using the same pipeline depending on what sort of networking tool, uh, infrastructure as code tools rather you're using. Yeah. 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 Or, or even if you just, you know, want to go down to a really basic level, if you're just using cloud formation templates and yeah. manually just being able to go like, here we go, here's all the cloud formation templates I've got for this and just manually dump it into your other environment. It's super easy to just Spin it up, assuming the um, the services are available. <laughs> yeah, that's going <laughs> but, to be the sticking yeah. point. While we're talking about moving out of the data centers, if you're currently in a data center and you're going to move to AWS, you're not used to all the 200-something services anyway. So then you basically go through the same thing that we've had the chance to go over eight years ago or whenever Sydney opened. It didn't open with a lot. The only difference is now that by the time you get started, the new services will keep coming in much faster. That is a really good point. Like I remember a few, and by that I probably mean like four or five or six reinvents ago. I vaguely remember, it might have been Jassy, it might have been Werner, saying that like only five or ten percent of all workloads had moved to the cloud, some really small number. And what you're saying sort of is a really good reminder, like, we we live AWS like all day, every day. Like we've been doing this for a long time now. Like, you know, we're sitting here complaining about the fact that we don't have the creme de la creme um, in Melbourne. But for m- most IT people, I would probably say, you're probably right. Like what 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 is in Melbourne today is what you would probably start with. You've got EC2, you've got RDS, they're your cores. 
you've got S3 for your object storage, you've got Lambda to get started in the event space, you've got Event Bridge, you've got DynamoDB, right? So you've got your core bits and pieces there, you've got step functions if you want to go a little bit more advanced. And let's face it, it's not until you get all of that under your belt that you're going to be looking for Kinesis or Security Hub or AWS Backup or you know any of these more advanced services that you sort of go, and now I want X. And if AWS sort of take three months, six months, nine months to bring some of those things in, maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing. And for those of us who have been doing it the whole time, well, we're already well-versed in not having service or feature parity cross-region because, let's face it, we've never had feature or service parity across region and never will. And I think the other interesting point that comes out of that is that you look at anyone who has the need for maybe not so much on the latency requirement, but anyone who has the need for that redundancy requirement, if you have that need, you're not using Kinesis as part of your core workload, most likely. You're not using, certainly if you're in Australia, uh, if you're in any of the areas where multi-region has been a thing for a while, you probably are, but you're not using, you know, you're not using Kinesis as as part of your workload. Um, You're not using SageMaker, uh, you're not using a lot of these, a lot of these AWS custom rolled services, which are used for very specific use cases. You're using EC2, you're using RDS, you're using Lambda, you're using Step Functions. If you're in one of those highly regulated environments, which has requirements around data backup, data sovereignty, you are not doing these things you you are not using these services it's just a simple fact that the reality of the situation is you are going to be using the core services which are already in melbourne now again whether you're using the correct instance types or whether you have all of the underlying support for the things that you want to do that's an entirely different matter but if you're, you know, if you're running these mission critical workloads, you're not using Deep Composer at any point in the workflow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I do want to point out one thing though. If you're starting out in the Melbourne region, fresh coming to AWS, and you look at all the available services, do yourself a favor and ignore that simple workflow is there. <laughs> yeah. What? What is with that? Wait a minute. Simple workflow service made it into Melbourne. Yes, it yes. did. That's it was one of the marquee services. Really? Like, I want to know oh. which enterprise customer in Australia is using that. Because there there has to be a customer that demanded that that be there. Oh, yeah. That was absolutely a request to the Times. No, actually, I think it's on the list of, this, uh, of services that launch in every new region. Oh. There's a list on the infrastructure side. And it's, I'm pretty sure it's on there. Yeah. Maybe it's just, it's like just a really simple thing that's, you know. Service. (laughs) (laughs) It's a simple service. Um, Yeah. Maybe it's just like, here, we just throw this in because with everything else that we do, yeah. Because it only uses EC2 and EC2 is going to be there anyway. So therefore. We may as well well push the button, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Secretly, it's just uh, an API to Amazon Mechanical Turk anyway. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, yeah. I that's the kind of thing you, you say that jokingly, but I'm sure that there are some AWS services that have those integrations snuck in. I'm sure there are. Okay. But um, one, one thing that Don sort of um, triggered my mind talking about latency, you know, one of the, the good things that we can do now that we've got this, uh, this region, I was going through a ward the other day um, and it, you know, the question came up about you know have you have you selected your, you know your location based on you know uh, latency and your requirements etc you know and, and traditionally that has been a you know ignore this question due to architectural yeah. you know yeah yeah, yeah we 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 keep Sydney because it's the only region um, you know now we actually have a choice <laughs> that question within the uh, well-architected yeah. reviews can actually have a meaning yeah we yeah. pick sydney because it's missing from melbourne <laughs> uh, that is just going to be the reality for a while yeah. i suspect uh, you know it was something that i thought of and we had a little bit of a chuckle when we did that war uh, and came across that question it's like yeah you know take that off because it was at the time when it was launched there was no other option uh, so, yeah, but um, but yeah, now you know it's, it's some of those little things I think we'll find going forward now. Like answers to that that wall question on those things, like why are we doing doing this? Well, hey, now we've yeah, got we're, we're, when, when you're we designing can. something, when you're talking to a customer, like it's a mm. thing now. Like it's yeah. a discussion point that needs to be. Think I'm going to need to to bid you all adieu because it's. What nine thirty-five at night, and I have a three-week-old that needs my attention. Um, but I was what I I did just want to say one other thing. It's like we're sort of joshing here about the fact that you know this is missing, that's missing. We wish we wish this was here. We wish that was here. How are we going to live with only one hundred and twenty-five different instance types? One hundred and eighteen. One hundred and eighteen. Sorry. Um, two two bits. Wow. Like, are we just like the whiny customers of like all time here? Like. And secondly, we now have the ability to do multi-region, cross-state architectures and solutions, having done nothing ourselves to accomplish that, but sit here for two years going, is it done yet? Is it done yet? Is it done yet? Why didn't you hit 2022? And that's kind of like one of the big things that a lot of people still may not necessarily remember is the cloud's constantly evolving and expanding and if we, back in, like we were talking about data centers before, if we wanted to put another region on ourselves, that is a monumental engineering effort, like ex- excluding the cost conversation, just the raw effort and materials and infrastructure needed to bring up a new site in a different state is mind boggling. And the fact of the matter is, it's still way harder to enable the Melbourne region in your AWS account than it should be. That is perfectly legitimate gripe but it is way easier than doing it yourself (laughs) yeah it's not just the engineering requirements it's the people requirements as well the number of people that you need to set up a data center then the amount of time and money that you need to sink into the HVAC systems that you need to sink into the cooling systems that you need to sink into redundancy, backup power, setting up network links. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of people that are required to set things up. It's a lot of people that are required to maintain the HVAC systems. And I'm actually going to say 
the bad word that nobody expects here, because one of the things that we saw when cryptocurrency and Web3 and all of this nonsense became a thing was how much people were paying for those overheads, <laughs> you know, to set up their Bitcoin mining farm or their Ethereum mining farm or their, I, I don't know, their Algorand mining farm or some of these ah. weird names that I've never in, in, heard in, of. Insert, yeah, in, in, insert random crypto coin here. Yeah, yeah <laughs> insert random crypto, crypto coin or Web3 ecosystem or whatever they're calling it here. Yeah. But we saw how much strain the requirements for all of that overhead were putting on you know as you've got people setting up these crypto mining farms all over the world that's been happening with traditional data centers for a very very long time and it's exactly the same requirements it's exactly the same overhead it's exactly the same people that you need yep. so yes on one level we're sitting here complaining about this but this is it is also these are things which unless you are a big bank or a company that has a lot of money in the bank or a company that has massive amounts of venture capital funding, you are not doing this yourself because it's so, okay, yeah, you have to go in and enable the Melbourne region. That's five clicks. Uh, the other thing which I, we haven't really talked about all that much, which I do want to bring up related to that point is it's not just that we have the Melbourne region now, we also have the Perth local zone. Yeah. And I will let you guys talk to talk to that on yeah. your own. Bid you adieu. Thanks for being here, Matt. Uh, the thing with the Perth local zone that I sort of wanted to talk about here is it's not just now around that latency requirement. Obviously, the subset of services that you can get in the Perth local zone is quite limited. But what that enables you to do is the latency difference between Sydney and Melbourne is, you know, maybe 50 milliseconds at maximum. But having, because Sydney and Melbourne geographically are quite close to each other, Having even the limited subset of features in Perth means that if there are workloads that you really need to run at the edge on the western side of the country, that is now a thing you can do. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you know that was that 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 was really good for you know those people because you know Perth is a long way away. Um, yeah, and you know as limited as the local zones are. Um, you know, there's still a lot of core functionality that you can run out there. And for those, you know, things that you know, really latency is important, yeah, you can sit them out there, and, um, you know, do more than, you know, what you could with uh, an edge location. You know, that's even, even more limited. But um, yeah, you know, you can actually run stuff close to, close to you. Yeah. And the perf latency difference is really big so one of my perf based colleagues he did a check and an instance in the perf local zone from his home nbn connection he can reach in 15 milliseconds that's quite good whereas sydney would be 58 milliseconds so that's a massive change yeah and for my expectation would be you know that's going to be vastly dependent on quality of your internet connection and things you might, there are some scenarios where you might actually see improvements that are more like 
going from triple digits down to double digits for some use cases. And that being able to do that is that's really good. And I'm interested to see, I probably won't be in Australia by the time it happens, but I'm interested to see when that becomes a full-fledged region, because I suspect that in 10 years or so, um, by the time that I'm well out of the country, that will be we'll be looking at an AWS region in Perth at some point. Possibly, yeah, if it keeps growing. Um, in a way, the local zones are a path to growing because in that, in that regard, we've got another region coming up around us fairly soon. Like next year, the Auckland region should launch. But before that, the Auckland local zone will arrive. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting um, sort of thing, having a sort of like an interim local zone, uh, you know, just before the region comes up. Yeah, it's it's a bit like um, the Osaka region, but then sped up instead of staying as a limited region for 10 years. I quite like it because it means that it, it, it does a couple of things. It gives AWS the ability to gauge demand. The other thing that it does is it means that people can get started. It gives people the ability to play around, to figure out what they are, what they can do to understand how latency improvements, how all of the things that you get when you move over to a region that's closer to you can benefit you. And then it sort of gives AWS the chance to actually validate commercially is this a thing we want to do before mm. again they sink massive amounts of money into configuring data centers and such so yeah. i i think it's an eminently sensible way of doing things because it also like it gives people the ability to get started and do something even if you can't run whatever workloads you want to on the full feature set you can do something yeah i was more thinking about like you know would it have made more sense to do you know Wellington local zone and then deploy to Auckland. Um, but then just thinking about that, it'd be because the Auckland local zone will be tied to, to Sydney. You know, if they had Wellington local zone and then an Auckland region, you know, would that Wellington local zone then still be tied to Sydney? <laughs> that, that could be um, nice. confusing. Yeah, that could be confusing. So I, I suppose, yeah, have the, the Auckland local zone and then once you deploy, your region, you know, the local zone goes away. Yeah, probably makes more sense. Yeah. Um, Definitely yeah. an interesting time to be working mm. in to be working in AWS in yeah. Asia Pacific or in Oceania, really. Yeah, and I just think too, like it's going to be interesting for you know to also have a look at you know for Adelaide to uh, people in South Australia to make the choice of where do they. Um, where do they connect to Melbourne yeah. or Sydney? Um, you know, have a look at you know what are your latency differences? Yeah. Where do you get your, your link from? Um, from memory, having played around with that myself in another cloud provider at one point, um, Melbourne is generally faster, but not by much. Yeah. You're talking single digit, single digit milliseconds generally. Um, and that that obviously depends on the quality of your networking, quality of your data equipment it depends on the quality of the links of the data center but from memory melbourne is generally very slightly faster yeah so it would probably come down to um you know which 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 state does sa 
um, hate the least. <laughs> Do you have more of a grudge against Melbourne or Sydney? Um, yeah, um, or realistically, it might be that because the latency difference is so small, it's going to come down to one of two things. It will be feature sets. So is everything that we need available in Melbourne, is everything that we need actually deployed in Melbourne or availability? Like, can we get the instance types that we want in the region that we want to deploy this to? Because that has been an issue in Sydney that for some instances and some service types, the compute capacity is just not there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yes, that was just a little bit of a joke. But but yeah, you know, still an interesting question for for if you're in Adelaide, which is really that there's there's no, I suppose, really clear option between, you know, Melbourne, Sydney, as you say, like the latency is sort of negligible between the two, Um, you know, Feature set's going to be a big one until you know Melbourne matures and gets most of the stuff. That's there's there's obviously that question there, as opposed to like you know Perth now, you know will have has the local zone, so there's some there you you know you most likely jump into to Sydney. Um, you know, Rizzy, you'd probably still go to Sydney. But they'll also get the local zone. Exactly, and that local zone will be tied to Sydney. So yeah, you know there are you know. You've got some that are obvious. Which region do we do we go to? Um, but yeah, I just yeah, I was thinking Perth. Oh, sorry, South Australia is that interesting one where it's you know toss a coin. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and it's going to depend on exactly. I mean, the the, the ultimate phrase in the IT industry, right? It depends. It's going to depend on exactly mm. what you want to do, exactly how you want to do it. Yep. Um, and yeah, maybe which city you hate the least. Yeah. Let's hope most choices are a little bit more pragmatic than that. <laughs> Would be nice, but mm. people are people, right? And with that, I believe we have gone on long enough. We're happy we've got the new region. Definitely. Still still party poppers. Yes. We are spoiled. Yeah. As much as we've complained about things that aren't there, I think the overall feeling is party poppers. Yay. Um, it's here. Yeah, yeah. And also, we're not going to be out of a job. <laughs> consultants, it's going to be consultants in Australia are not going to be out of a job in the near future. And depending on exactly what you're doing, I'm suspecting that for a lot of consulting companies, the phone's going to be ringing off the hook about now. Cool. So. With that, I want to thank everybody for listening. Of course, I also want to thank our sponsors, CMD Solutions, the user group's gold sponsor, as well as Fersant and Cifo, who are our silver sponsors again this year, all three of them. Then, of course, Matt has already left us, so I'll thank him again. He's quiet. So, Don, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me as per usual. It's always a pleasure. And Jason. Thank you as well. Thank you, Ian. Um, always fun to, to be on here and chatting with Matt and Dawn as well. And uh, thank you for hosting. And of course, if you want to reach out to the user group, um, give feedback on our talk, disagree with us in any way you want, you're welcome to do so. You can find us on social media. We are on LinkedIn these days as well, active. Edward's user group and then Melbourne in brackets. You can also find us on Mastodon as awsmelp at awscommunity.social. And if you're actually still using Twitter, we're still there. Not active, but we're still there as at awsmelp. And of course, join the Slack, which you can find on our website at melp.awsug.org.au. 
And with that, I bid you all a good day. Good night. Good day. Good night. Good time zone appropriate, uh, Grace.